Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us to hang on to Christmas in, in the right way. And, and Lord, um, we pray for those around us that don't understand the true meaning of Christmas, that you would use us in stronger ways than ever before to, to help to, to direct people to the true meaning of what this season's all about, what you've done for us, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Today we are um, coming to a conclusion of the focus of Come Lord Jesus, and, and today it's on Come Lord Jesus into my Christmas. As, as I prepared for this, I, I thought a lot about John the Baptist, and especially during Advent, it's a time of, of preparation. And I can't think of anybody who was a better preparer of something than, than John the Baptist. And so to begin with, I want to um, share with you a scripture from Luke chapter 3. In fact, all four Gospels have accounts of John the Baptist, and I want to encourage you maybe this week to take some time to learn more about his life. This kind of gives a, a good snapshot of, of what he did. It says, In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Eturia, and Triconitus, Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowds asked. John answered, The man who has two tunics should share with the one who has none. The one who has food should do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. I want to give you a snapshot of, of um, John the Baptist's life. You see, we see there in scripture, but his ministry actually began before he was even born. In fact, his mother Elizabeth was about six months pregnant with John, and, and Mary was pregnant with Jesus about three months, and Mary came to visit Elizabeth, and, and when um, Mary walked in the room with Jesus inside of her, what did John the Baptist do inside of his mom? He was dancing, he was jumping around, he was praising the Lord, um, he was worshiping Jesus before he was even born. And his whole life was focused on serving Jesus, preparing the way for his kingdom. He wasn't an ordinary kind of guy. For 400 years, there had been no prophet in Israel. A long, dramatic, silent pause with no prophets. And all of a sudden, John comes on the scene. And it was quite 
um, a disturbance, so to speak. People were flocking to him to hear his message, to be baptized by him, and his whole focus was on preparing the way for the kingdom of God, and the king of the kingdom is Jesus. He prepared the way for Jesus. And there's some things I want to share from his life that I think we can apply to our life, that we are called to prepare the way as well. You know, one day Jesus is going to come again. He's already come that very first Christmas, but he's going to come again. And, and there's a lot of people around us that don't know the truth about who Jesus is, but I want to start focusing first on what do we know about Jesus? And what can we learn from John the Baptist? And the first thing I see in his life is, the first point is humble ourselves, to humble ourselves. In John chapter 3, verse 30, John the Baptist says, I must become less. He, Jesus, must become greater. In fact, when Jesus came to be baptized by John, what did John say? He says, you know, um, you should be baptizing me rather than me baptizing you. He realized that Jesus was greater than him. He humbled himself in the presence of, of Jesus. His whole focus was to serve Jesus. And we see this theme of humility throughout Scripture. In fact, the ultimate example of humility is Jesus himself. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Do do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. What kind of attitude did Jesus have? What kind of attitude does he have? Humility. He humbled himself even unto death on a cross. And even coming into the sinful world, leaving the perfection of heaven, coming to the sinful world to rescue us, he humbled himself. And ultimately through his death and through his resurrection, we have eternal victory. We see the ultimate example of humility. But yet we so often live in a world of arrogance and pride. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Does that sound familiar? Look around the world, we so often see that. And hopefully we won't see it in ourselves. We're called to be humble. God's way is so different than the world's way of doing things. You don't ascend into greatness in God's world. You descend into greatness. The first will be last, and the last will be what? First. You descend into greatness. Now, I've shared before that when I was a kid growing up in Minnesota, in fact, I understand it's like negative 17 below zero up there. I'm so awesome to be here in Arizona. Um, but when I was growing up, you know, when it started snowing in November until the spring came like in, you know, April, the snow didn't melt. It just kept accumulating. And so the snow plows kept pushing the snow into big, huge piles. And as kids, you know, those were like mountains. And so we played king of the mountain. And I remember those days, and back then at the school, they didn't have the nice, soft landing pads for the kids in the playground there. It's concrete and tar. And so you're, you're fighting to get to the top. And you, you get to the top, it's like, yeah, I'm the king of the mountain. And how long are you up there? 
about three seconds. <laughs> Someone pushed you down, you go all the way down the bottom, and you're back down to the starting point again. So it is in life. Up and down. Worldly power is fleeting. God calls upon us to be humble. Humble ourselves, to prepare ourselves to, to be the people that God calls us to be, to be Christmas people by humbling ourselves. And the second thing is to understand where we are. Understand where we are. Um, we're on a journey. And right now, we happen to be here at Shepherd of the Desert on a Sunday. I commend you for being here. Because a lot of people this time of year, guess what? They're too busy. Okay? They're too busy. Whose birthday is coming up? Jesus, right? How much time have you taken over the last month to really contemplate the birth of Jesus Christ? Or have you been running from one event to another? Just run, 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 run. Went to Fry's the other day to get some milk. And I couldn't find a parking spot. So I just went home <laughs> without the milk. I wasn't going to wait that long. It's just, it's what's going on? Why are things so much busier this time of year? I think that Satan has a ploy. And his ploy is to keep our lives so busy that we have no time to even think. To understand where you are, you have to have time to think. Self-awareness. How aware are we about what's going on inside ourselves? I think we're so busy looking at everybody else and, and staying busy. John the Baptist was self-aware. He knew what he was all about. The businesses talk about you know, vision and mission and purpose. He knew that his vision, his mission, his purpose was to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. And he did not deviate from his plan, the plan that God had for him. We get sidetracked all the time, don't we? What is the plan God has for us? As a congregation, we exist to lead people to follow Jesus. Discover, develop, declare. Okay? Jesus laid out a clear vision. Fill the world with disciples for, for him. Strong followers that truly stand up for what's right. And we talk about discover our faith in Christ, developing that faith to the point where we declare it. It's a journey. We're on a journey to heaven. The question is, are we growing in this journey? Are we getting distracted? Are we getting sidetracked by what's happening in the world around us? And how do we know how well we're doing in this journey? There's a mirror. This is the mirror. The Word of God. And the more that we understand what's in here, the more we're going to see clarity. Not just in our lives, but clarity in what's happening around us. The problem is we're so much influenced sometimes more by the world than by the Word of God. That's why we're really challenging our congregation, you know, members, guests alike, to really focus on trying to get to the Bible this next year. And we're going to really talk a lot about that and just want to encourage you to, to try to do that, to get into a regular routine of being in God's Word. It takes 82 hours to read through the Bible. That sounds like a lot, right? You break it down by day, 15 minutes a day. 15 minutes a day. That's for an average reader. If you're fast reader, you can do it quicker. Get through the Bible and take some time to think about it and to meditate on it. You know, how many days go by in your life where... You don't have any time to think and to, to pray, to meditate. Just you fly through the day. and you, you know, so, so often one of the most important thinking we have to do is this, to think about what you're thinking about. Analyze your thought process. You know, it says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, take every thought and make it obedient to the word of God. I love that verse. But let God's word be the guide. Surrender our minds to Jesus. Give him our minds. 
humble ourselves, give them our minds, and, and try to make sure that we understand the path that we're on. And as we take a good, honest look inside ourselves, the next part is make the necessary changes. Because John the Baptist, his whole message is about repentance, which means turn. Turn from the world, turn to God, which means change. And the word change so often is a scary word for us. But if we're honest with ourselves, there are things that need changing, right? And the Holy Spirit wants to help us in that process. That, 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 you know, we can't change some things in our life without help. You know, when it comes to how God wants to work in our life, he works through the Holy Spirit. And Martin Luther said the Holy Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies. He calls and gathers us. The reason we believe in Jesus in the first place is because the Holy Spirit put faith into our hearts. And he gathers us together as a church, as believers. We need fellowship with one another. He enlightens us, which means he begins to help us to understand what the Word of God says. But then he sanctifies us, which means he changes us. He's working to change us from the inside out. To change our lives for the better. He wants to help us. And we need to be active participants in this process that, Lord, here I am. Help me to think right. Help me to change, to become more like you, to become more holy in the way I live my life. And that leads to the third point, or fourth point, excuse me, to live the right way. To live the right way. In our text, the people came to John and they said, um, what should we do? He says, the man who has two tunics should share with the one who has none. And the one who has food should do the same. I want to commend this church for your, our incredible love for our community and the world, what we provide for resources, for families in need, for food, um, necessities, a real strength in our congregation. And I want us to keep growing in that area. He goes on, it says, um, the tax collectors came to him, and, and they said, what should we do? And he says, don't collect any more than you are required to. Now, tax collectors back then, they were to collect a certain amount for Caesar, and the rest they kept for themselves. Remember Zacchaeus? After he came to know Jesus, he made a commitment, I'm going to pay back the people I wronged how many times over? Anybody remember? Bible trivia? Four times. Very good. Ding, ding, ding. Four times the amount, which means that typically they would figure out how much tax were owed times what? Four. And they kept all the profits for themselves. And Jesus is saying, or I mean, John the Baptist is saying, don't do that. Be honest in your business dealings. Be honest. And the soldiers, they came to, to John the Baptist, and, and he said, replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Don't take your power and use it for your own gain. Live the right way. Okay, it's one thing to got to humble ourselves, and then we need to get our thinking right to understand where we are, then to make changes. But so often, we try to make changes, and it just all falls apart. What this is saying here is, in your daily, one-day-at-a-time life, live the right way. In the last um, several months, we've heard the term WikiLeaks a lot, wouldn't you say? WikiLeaks? Imagine that your computer and your phone, everything got hacked. And all your stuff got put up for the whole world to see. Would it be okay? Would it, are you okay? Is, it gonna, is embarrassing stuff going to come out? If your secret life came out in the open, would it be embarrassing? Well, if we're doing the right thing, I guess we have nothing to worry about, right? You know, 
in the Bible, it's, it's, it, everything's laid out. I mean, the lives of people are laid out in detail in the Bible. I, I think I wouldn't like being, you can imagine me like King David, it's, it lays out his whole life. You know, the fact that he, he um, you know, stole his general's wife and got her pregnant, and then to get rid of her husband, he, she, he pushes him to the front lines of soldiers, so they all get killed. Um, you know, all your mistakes out there for the whole world to see. But you know what's so amazing about God is when David turns to God in true repentance, what did God do? He forgives. He forgives. One thing I want to be perfectly clear here, no matter what has happened in the past, through Jesus Christ, all of our sin is gone. We're forgiven. Right now we're forgiven. And we get a brand new start. Right now. And let's strive with God's help the help of the Holy Spirit, to try to live a life that is reflecting more the love of Jesus Christ. Even when we leave here today, when I was, I quit the seminary after my second year and I was working as, at a, as a waiter at a restaurant on the, for the Sunday crowd. I got there at 11 o'clock and I worked for this, the church crowd. And I dreaded that day because the Christians who came in there were the worst tippers in the whole world. They were cheap. Sometimes even leave a track with like hardly any tip at all. It's like, what kind of example is that? We're being watched as representatives of Christ. And I want to encourage us in our lives to strive to live lives that are reflecting Jesus. That we, we serve him and, and basically as ambassadors for him, that we represent him well until we see him face to face. And we need help in this process. And that leads to the third, the last point, fourth, fifth point, sorry. Humble ourselves, understand who we are, make necessary changes, live the right way. The last one's be bold for Jesus. Be bold for Jesus. Now, was John the Baptist, would you say he was pretty bold? Yeah. <laughs> really bold. Okay, maybe more bold than what we would normally be, but he's still bold. And he did it because he loved people. And he got their attention. Would you say Jesus was bold in his ministry? Yeah, he was bold. But again, it was in love. The Apostle Paul, you look through people in the scriptures, people that were bold in the name of Jesus Christ, and we're still talking about them today, the legacy they left. Because if the next last phase here is, is, you know, in our own personal lives, the boldness is trying to get this message into the lives of others. And sometimes it's a scary thing for us to be bold that way. There are some people that are Christians that are bold in the wrong way. They think they're being bold for Jesus, but they're being idiots. An example, the Westboro Baptist Church that was sending people to the funerals of our veterans and protesting. That's ridiculous. That's not representing Jesus Christ. How do you know if you're representing him boldly in the right way? Number one, it's being done in love for God. Number two, it's being done in love for others. And number three, we're helping direct people to Jesus and on to heaven in a loving way. That's when you know you're being bold in the right way. And that's what God calls us to be. You know, this weekend, every week in our country, 18% of people are in worship. Hear that? 18%. Two decades ago, guess what the number was? About 40%. What's happening? And what is happening to our country as our country is getting further away from God? It's getting more messed up, isn't it? We need to be more bold. I think it's part of the problem. Is a lot of Christians are, they, they believe in Jesus are going to heaven, but there's not a lot of boldness at times because we've we got to be politically correct. We can't say anything to anybody. 
That's not the way it's meant to be. We're meant to, in love, boldly share Christ. And I think sometimes we need to think of creative ways to do this in this changing world. I was talking to one of our members yesterday, and um, he's a CEO of a company, and he has employees in over 30 different states. Every Monday, he sends off an e-news to all of his employees. And he always sends me a copy of what he sent out. And every one of his e-news he sends out, not only lays out the goal of the company, what they're trying to do, he talks about his personal faith in Jesus Christ. He uses Bible verses, and he talks about Jesus. And, and what he does, he does it in a very tactful way that he shows how the Bible is relevant for all aspects of life. And so even those in his company might be atheists or unbelievers, they can't help but say, wow, that makes sense. Maybe the Bible really does work. I love that. That's bold. How can we be bold in the place where God has put us right now in our lives? And I think that, you know, even like right now, Next week, I mentioned 18% of people are typically, next week, almost 50% are going to be in worship. 55% of atheists celebrate Christmas. This is a time of year, a great time of year to invite people and say, hey, you want to come with, with, with me to, to worship on next Saturday? This is a time when people are open, but it's going to take a little bit of boldness. We also sent out an a, um, e-news, like an e-flyer to you, to your, those of you that are in our, our e-news, and you could actually, it's a... It's a invitation you can actually ping other people. But just think of ways how we can grow in our boldness for, for Jesus Christ. And in closing, Christmas is next week. And typically for someone's birthday, what do you do? You give them a present, right? What's interesting about Christmas, I think people forget this is, you know, it's Jesus' birthday. It's like, I want the presents. But actually we get the most incredible present of all. Jesus came for us. The gift of eternal life he's won for us and, and why he came is something more valuable than all the money of this world combined. And by believing in him, that's ours right now. And the way to heaven's open. But I want to encourage us as we approach Christmas to give him the best gift that we can give ourselves. And that is the gift of ourselves. To give ourselves to him. Say, Jesus, I humble myself to you. Jesus, help me to, to know where I'm going, to see that I'm on the right path. Jesus, help me to make the right changes in my life. Jesus, help me to, to represent you well. Let your spirit work through me so I can show the world more who you are. And help me to be bold in showing your love in what I say and what I do. And I think that's the best way we can prepare for Christmas. To give Jesus the gift of ourselves. Let's pray. Lord, this world is pounding on us. And so often we get distracted, sidetracked. The mirror becomes a world rather than your word. And I pray that as we finish up this year, and as we head into this most holy time, that we really take some time to look inside of our minds and, and to reflect to think about what we're thinking about and make sure that we're on that right path and help us to understand where we are according to your word. Help us to make the necessary changes. Help us to live the right way. Help us to be bold for you. We do this not because we have to. It's in response to what you have done for us and for your amazing boldness and for the example of people like John the Baptist. We praise in your name. Amen.